0: Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. This is episode number 12 and my guest today is Olympian and Irish field hockey international Shane O'Donoghue. Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. My name is Stephen Bradshaw and each episode we talk to people and find out what motivates them, what drives them, inspires them and what makes them tick. I want to help you gather nuggets of information to use in your lives in the hope that these conversations help you realize what makes you tick. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest, Shane O'Donoghue, an Olympian, has represented Ireland in field hockey for well over a decade now. Shane and I get to sit down and talk about the heartache of failing to qualify for Tokyo 2020 and how he's dealt with it. And we sit down and talk about the tools that he's put in place to help learn and move forward. Also, he talks to me about how he's using his experience to help the next generation and to give the kids of the future the opportunities that he was so grateful for. Shane also talks about how he's bringing a business to Ireland and how he's transferred his skills on the hockey field to business. Shane and I sit down and reminisce about times we spent in sports psychology in Dunleary, where we met and met so many other great people. If you're looking for something positive in your life, then Shane is the type of character that you should listen to. He's a great outlook on life and, His competitive edge, along with his empathy and kindness, is something to behold. This is a really interesting conversation, guys, and I hope you do enjoy it. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to What Makes You Tick. And my guest on today's episode is my first ever Olympian. Uh, Delighted to have Shane O'Donoghue, who has represented Ireland in the field of hockey uh, for a number of years. You are the top Uh, goal scorer for Ireland after uh, surpassing over 100 goals there and you're living it you're over back from Belgium playing professionally over there Uh, but Shane welcome thank you very much for being part of uh, what makes you tick
1: yeah Stephen thanks for having me on looking forward to having the chat
0: today yeah so like myself and Shane to give everybody a bit of background we met uh, when we both uh, studied sports psychology with Dr. Olivia Hurley in the IADT and out there in Dunleary. And the two of us, um, I suppose, come from different worlds in terms of sports, had a similar interest in the psychology of a sport. And to understand, kind of not only, well, for me, Shane, it was very much about trying to understand the, the way coaches can manage players and athletes uh, because I was transitioning into the coaching world. But also as well to nearly kind of reflect on some of the things that had gone through my own career and, and how I dealt with it. And I didn't realize at the time I was dealing with resilience and dealing with all these different things that we would have touched on in in, um, in the course. But we met there and uh, yeah, w- w- we, we've stayed in touch ever since. Uh, but that, w- that was a good time uh, back in, you know, what was it, 2000 and. 16 was it
1: yeah end of yeah end, end, end of 2016 yeah, yeah. Just after the Olympic Games, so I was a bit like yourself trying to see kind of what was next and uh you know the like, list like psychology is obviously a big part of the game and and something that always kind of crashs my interest when I was in UCD studying but uh yeah I was at a bit of a cross with myself trying to figure out you know what the next what the next chapter was going to be in my life obviously you know I spent two years in Belgium up until the Olympics and then uh yeah it was decision time and you know I it was a good cracking the class, you know. It was a bit of a, you know, it was, it was a nice relaxed kind of environment. Obviously yourself, myself, uh, David Gillick, to name a few other guys there, and yeah, it was it was it was casual, but it was a nice it was a nice kind of a uh, nice environment to really kind of you know test out the waters of uh, of psychology and kind of you know seeing a bit more detail and uh, yeah, as we all know, Olivia is full of energy and uh, loves to have uh, many people in her class. So yeah, look, it was a good experience and one that really started me off on the journey I'm on now, So.
0: Yeah, so Absolutely. like that, that 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 aspect of it, we'll we'll touch on the on the hockey in, in a in a sec. But even just in terms of psychology, after after that course, you went down then to actually study a bit more, didn't you?
1: Yeah, well, I went down to the performance psychology masters and UL uh, down in Limerick. So uh, yeah, that that was really kind of the next step in the process, and uh, again a real kind of eye opener to you know the uh, the real extent of psychology and all that, and you know some fantastic lecturers down there. So that. Uh, it was a nice follow-on from Olivia. so was a bit of a taster, and that was real. The UL the Masters was a real kind of meaty parts and uh, you know, it was tough. You know, as all Masters are, no, no, no doubt. But uh, again, very enjoyable. And again, it was uh, it was a big challenge I took on, and uh, a lot of things were going on at the time, and uh, it was a nice distraction as well. Yeah, yeah
0: the uh, the uh yeah so like let's 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 chat about the the hockey world how did how did you get into playing hockey first and foremost like what was the kind of the driving factor in it because obviously in the last couple of years it has really really propelled itself into the top of the kind of sport in Ireland like you've had you guys in terms of the men's have done so so well over the last number of years and unlucky last year and we'll talk about that in a bit but then obviously the ladies team has really propelled itself to um like news headlines and there's some amazing ambassadors there like anna flanagan to name but one but there's there's so many people who are really kind of showcasing the the i suppose the how class and professional the sport is but on top of that then the characters that are coming out of it are so appealing to such a wide audience it's brilliant how did you get into hockey what was the the motivating factor there
1: yeah the guy I think I think as many youngsters, you know, you kind of play a wide array of sports. Um, you know, I's you know like, like anybody else at that age, I played Gaelic, Gaelic football, soccer, rugby, you name it. Um, uh, but I suppose hockey was a real kind of family sport. It was in the family. My family was in my uh, relatives, aunts and uncles. So you know, obviously, I played for Glen- Glenan Hockey Club down in the uh, Bay and Tala, and and I, I suppose it was always. You know, when my dad played from a young age, I was a youngster, so you are going to watch them play, you were, you know, at some of their trainings, you were there every Friday at the youth, uh, training away from from the age of, I think, maybe under sixes, six, under eights, and uh, so yeah, it was the one sport that really kind of grasped my interest, maybe because I was probably better better at that sport than most others, so, uh, but again, it was just it a real nice social aspect to it, and there was a nice, uh, and the club as well was, was was a real kind of social club, and there was a lot of... A lot of kind of tournaments and blitzes and and a lot of effort went in to the underage groups and uh yeah it was it was fun you know fantastic memory from a very young age and but uh yeah the sport as a whole is you know again you know at a, at a, especially in the under kind of six under eight kind of groups uh you mingle a lot with with the uh, you know with girls and boys and, and people from different backgrounds you know what I mean so uh yeah it was a really interesting one but family ties was the reason why I picked up a stick in the first place and you know probably ended up uh destroying mum and dad's house uh, to, 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 to a bad extent burst pipes smash windows you name it but uh, just loved the sport just loved yeah. every day kind of just getting a hockey stick in my hand and, and a hockey ball or a tennis ball and off I
0: went yeah because yeah, like it is it is like those moments that at that age like you, you played hockey at under sixes whatever I, I started rugby at a, at a young age because of my parents but mm. it's very much once you get that little taste for it and you have a I suppose an affiliation with those who are playing with you and who are training and who are you're getting to meet week in week out. You look forward to seeing them. Um, it becomes just kind of ingrained in your in your um in just in your life, doesn't it? Like it's nearly like a religion. <laughs> yeah,
1: big time. Yeah, you kind of form a bit of an unhealthy addiction. You know, I remember from a young age, like you know, like you're. Luckily, I I was blessed with the parents I had and and even aunts and uncles who would. It would be my personal taxi driver from one game to another game hockey training to you name it. So, but yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, it becomes just part of your lifestyle, It's part of your DNA. And if you love it, you know, you just you just want to spend every waking moment playing it. You know, from a young age, you know, playing against, you know, playing maybe five side hockey or eight side hockey. Uh, you know, you get to represent. You know, you wear the club colours. You go off and play against other teams and. You know, and then you start to form friendships, people. You know, in your in your team and in other teams as well. So it's a it's a real social sport. And that was the one thing I love from a young age. But there was a, a real emphasis on making friends
0: and you know having a bit of fun and just being a kid, really. Yeah, and like you, you represented uh, Ireland at underage as well, didn't you know, Like pretty much at all the different levels, and you 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 won number of awards for being young player of the year and, and rising star and all that. Like, when did you kind of feel that? Do you know what? This is actually something that I can I could potentially do well at. When did you kind of realize that you, this it was something that, as, as I say, you could do well at, maybe make a bit of a living out of? You know. Yeah, it was it
1: was a, it was a funny one. I think uh, you know it, it, it's, always, it's it's always it's always been a story I tell. You know, I remember going for my first under under-16s uh, Ireland trials. Obviously, after off, off the back my first inter provincial series, I did relatively well, but went to these trials anyway and you got 40 other guys there from the different different provinces and uh, you know as, as normal uh, you know you, you rock up for the first day of trials and it's a fitness test and you know I just knew myself going in I was nowhere near the mark of, of international underage level and uh, yeah to no surprise I finished in the bottom three of the fitness tests and the other two guys beside me were goalkeepers so that didn't say to them. so that was a bit of a hard lesson to take but I think that's I think that kind of stood to me in the sense of, you know, look, that's that's how far I'm off. But then kind of seeing what I was able to do on the pitch from a, from a technical point of view and the way I read the game and, you know, it just kind of gave me that, that bit of extra motivation I needed to really, I suppose, address the areas I had to address. And then the following year, you know, my second year in the 16s, I, I, I made the team no problem. And, you know, so it kind of gave me that kind of tough experience of, you know, feeling quite low and feeling quite... Jesus, I'm, I'm I'm well off the mark there. You know, there's something that I really want to do, but I'm nowhere near it. And um, you know, it kind of just made me push the barriers, with, uh, you know, a bit harder, especially at a young age, you're kind of 15, 16, where you haven't really had to push yourself. You know, from a I suppose a physical point of view, you're you know, up until up until that age, you're really kind of enjoying yourself and going out and playing. And you know, that was kind of the holy all of it. You know, but then when you kind of step onto the interprovincial stage and then on the international, you know, you have. To be fit and you have to be uh you know, taking the number of boxes to really, you know, stamp your mark and to really start your journey on the international front. So that was where it all kind of started under 16s and then from there I just yeah, I just kind of excelled and really just, you know, took everything to my stride, took all the different coaches, tips and, and and advice, you know, and I was really at a young age I was always really open to taking on uh you know, feedback, taking on kind of areas I had to improve and, you know, people like my dad who obviously shared the passion of hockey with me you know really was a was a big motivator and was a real kind of i suppose rock for me in many ways to are going kind to of really you know push on be there for me when i went when i was down but really from a young age of 15 16 he really kind of got me on the road to well, look if you want to if you want to live this lifestyle this is what you have to do and, and that's what i did so
0: it's interesting you say that because at a young age sometimes a lot of people can think that they they know it all you're going through a bit of a kind of like a transitional period as well at that at that time uh but to have the kind of the wherewithal to to stop and okay and listen to the people who are trying to help you that's actually really important especially for kids now who are trying to their hand up whatever they're they're trying to achieve there's absolutely a necessity to have an element of talent and passion and all that but then to to mold that talent and that skill into something then that could be great. And that kind of sounds like like what you did. Like you say your dad was a big rock for you. In in what way did he kind of help nearly kind of channel that that uh, passion of yours? Well, he kind of pushed me to, you know, push through some mental barriers and um, you know, he always was able to
1: manage it quite well in terms of push me to an extent, and then obviously going kind to of hold him back a little bit, because I was only 15, 16, 17 years of age, but, you know, he really just, you know, gave me the ingredients, and said, look, if you want it, this is what you got to do, and I'll push you, I'll support you, and, and he did, and like, you know, he he was never short of of giving me confidence, you know, but he was never short of also telling me, look, you know, that wasn't good, or you need to do this better if you want to get to that level, or if you want to really, you know, so he had the balance right, and I think that's and something that's quite difficult for parents, you know, even seeing it in today's world, you know, and dealing with many young aspiring talents, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, it's really, really important to have that, that kind of, uh, those, you know, individuals in your life, you know, whether it be family or friends or clubmates or yeah. coaches or mates, you know, it's really important to have them there. So he's able to channel me in the right direction. and just, you know, was really a, a mentor outside of being yeah. a dad as well.
0: Brilliant. And, and, and as you say, you, earlier you were saying that you got a, a number of kind of Took different tips from different coaches along the way, and I think that's actually brilliant because it's like if you can nearly take the best advice from all these different people who have all this different experience, and then mold it in your own way to suit your your views and your approaches. I, that's that's kind of like what I try to do myself when I'm having these conversations with people. It's kind of okay. What 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 can I take away from each chat to to nearly kind of apply it to my own life and. Uh, to transition then obviously from the underage into the men's world and into the kind of like the uh, obviously tougher, faster, more impact, all that type of stuff. Can you remember that transition and, and how you dealt with it?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a tricky one, you know, because you're going to go through 16s and 18s and even 21s and you're, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really big leap. Even from 21s, a senior, it's a big leap. And, you uh, you know, as you pointed out all the, all the various kind of challenges you know when you go from under to senior and um, you know uh, you know i i think i think it was really really important that when you kind of get to that kind of that transition age of you know you kind of obviously you're leaving school you're going into college or whatever it, it's important that you just you just try and fast track your your developments and you kind of fast track your your progress as as, as quickly and as effectively as you can so you can kind of get onto the into the senior environment and you kind of get a taste for it because it takes a little bit of time to, you know, accumulate the kind of, you know, the, the the, experience and the training sessions, to be able to come to the speed, as you said, to be able to, you know, really kind of hold your own amongst amongst older men, guys in their late 20s, 30s, who have been around the block and, and twice. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just remember kind of just trying to pick out kind of role models or pick out guys in the environment of the senior, senior men's team and kind of say, well, look, you know if i can pick up you know how, how, how say for example ronan gormley who i always refer to as a as a tremendous role model in the hockey circles you know he just you know he lives you know he kind of lived high performance but he was also accountable of himself before he kind of you know passed comments or was getting on to guys who are not working hard enough for example or or not you know following the game plan or whatever but you know one thing i kind of took from him was he always had his own house in order you know that's something that i have kinda live by as well i remember having Discussions been from a young age. I was saying, look, you know, where can I improve? You know, h- how do you go about doing that? How do you go about, you know, in some ways, kind of, you know, rolling guys out of it, but at the same time, it's well received by them. You know, that was one thing. Like, it was a real skill I thought he had, and I think he was always trying to, as you said already, kind of nitpick different things from from people and coaches. And I just, you know, when you want something so bad, you know, and you've been part of the underage things, you, you want to just go the next step, and you want to do it as quickly as you possibly can so you can kind of get in there, experience it, you know, and just kind of follow what you feel is the natural progression towards your dream of Olympics or World Cups or Europeans, and uh, from a young age, I always wanted to play for the senior team, you go watch them uh, playing friendly games or or European games or tournaments or whatever, and instantly, because you're living a bit of a similar life, you know, but obviously to to a different level, but You just kind of aspire to be like them, and that was just it. Maybe it was just me, but it was always inside of me to really, you know, look, they're playing in front of a packed-out crowd here in UCD. That's what I want. I want to be doing that. I want to be wearing the green jersey. I want to be playing in front of my parents and in front of people who I know and and to really just put on the green jersey at the the top level. And and then you kind of, you know, it's a question of how long you want to do for you know?
0: And can you remember what it was like to um, get your first cap?
1: Yeah, it, it was daunting, you know, because I was in, I was kind of in the group for, for a while and you know, I, I, I kind of came into the, the training environment about late late 2010, kind of yeah, about around 2010, 2011 and, you know, it was a big step up, you know, like I said, like even from a physical point of view, you know, it was demanding and, you know, from an underage, you're kind of used to, your body kind of adapts to a little bit easier, but then when you go up to the senior men's, it's just end-to-end, it's physical, it's more more body contact, you know what I mean? I, you just have to kind of, it's sink or swim, yeah. you know, and, uh, but I remember kind of leading to my first cap, my first cap was obviously 20, 2011 in UCD against Canada, and, uh, yeah, like, obviously, you know, incredibly nervous, you know, you didn't know what to expect, you know, am I going to be good enough, you know, I, a little bit of self-doubt, maybe, in the in the head going in, from what I remember, and, you know, but, I was lucky with the group that was there, you so many guys who, had seen me train hard and seeing me get fitter and, and trying to, you know, you know, really up my levels to the senior men's standard. And uh, so those guys really kind of took me under the wing. I remember even the warm up feeling really nervous having the pregame jitters and, and kind of saying, oh my God, like, this is it. I'm, you know, big enough crowd here. I'm playing against the senior men's international team. But like, it, it went well and, and I really enjoyed it. And it was a very proud moment. And, uh, yeah, one, one you cherish for a long, long time and seemed so daunting back then and then when you go through 190 games later, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing but you just have a different mindset too and you have a different, uh, yeah, you just kind of, you know what to expect. Every game is different in a way but, you know, you just become a little bit more, you know, adaptable and a bit more relaxed when you kind of go into it. Well, I do anyway, maybe I can't speak for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, like and that's it, like over 190 games later and, and like, you've played in the olympics in the summer olympics which i no doubt was an incredible uh, feeling like to be to be an olympian um and like that's something i remember growing up and going he's like it's only the best of the best that get to that to that point and essentially you're part of a of a i suppose a fraternity now that, that can, that'll never be taken away from you uh what was that like what was that experience like
1: yeah it was, it was incredibly cool and um... I suppose, it like, like like Anthony, you have to have your setbacks prior to that. And obviously 2012, we came agonisingly close. I was kind of on the fringe of the team, kind of first or second reserve. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, and again, kind of talking about coaches, Paul Reventon was the coach at the time. And he really, you know, he was really the catalyst that kind of transformed up the Irish men's team anyway to where it is now. And, you know, he just... You know we came so close in 2012 we hosted the qualifiers in ucd we were eight or nine seconds away from going to a shootout which you know we were incredibly confident about we'd obviously had Davey Hart and Nets and um, you know so coming so close but also being so far away from going to, tw- to London 2012 really spurred us on for 2016 and and that campaign was you know with a new coach obviously uh, Craig Fulton came in probably had our most successful and um, period on the men's side uh, ever and you know we kind of went through 2013 2014 of bridging the gap getting a bit closer and starting to become a bit of a force we reckon with and then 2015 was our breakthrough year you know obviously European bronze medalist qualifying for Rio being the first team since 1908 I think it was or 1940 not too sure and uh, you know so that kind of started the journey off and we qualified and we're kind of like look now we're going now all the hard work has paid off the, I suppose, failed attempt in the Verda comments for London doesn't seem as agonized anymore. You know, at times, obviously, a healer. And then we went, and it was just a phenomenal experience. A tough journey, no doubt. And it was, you know, thinking back to, you know, going to Cape Town in January time, 2016. We were worked to the bone, training two, three times a day. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But when you went over there in the village, seeing people like Phelps, boats, uh, you know, Jessica Jessica Ennis, all these people, Serena Williams, you know, you're kinda of pinching yourself and kinda of saying, Am I actually here? You know, am I actually seeing these people up close? You know, I'm so you've seen them on T V and all these celebrity athletes, and you're now part of that part of that group, that fraternity, as you're saying. And it was a, it was just an incredible experience. The tournament itself, hockey wise, was, you know, it's in, in many ways the same as a Europeans or or a invitational tournament, but obviously it had that, you know, additional pride elements, you know, you're wearing the, not only the green jersey, but the Team Ireland jersey, and uh, I think the most remarkable thing about it, Stephen, was
0: definitely just, you know, playing, you know, in front of me, really the good crowd that went over, family,
1: friends, hockey community, you know, a couple of hundred people, and it was just amazing seeing all the green the stands, in the Olympic Games, representing Team Ireland, and representing the whole hockey nation in Ireland, and that was cool, you know, that was really, really cool, and... uh yeah, it was just an awesome experience to really sum it up, and one that we all cherish. You know, albeit that we maybe didn't achieve our goal in getting out of the group, but from a from an experience point of view and from a memory point of view, you know, it sticks out of yeah, the rest. It
0: can never be taken away, which is incredible. Because, like as you say, one one thing we've always seen whenever it comes to tournaments or Ireland in any sport doing well uh, or making a making a, a a tournament or games, the fans just showcase ireland the best possible life and you got to experience that firsthand you know like usually you're seeing that the euros or the rugby or whatever it is uh but now to see it like that it's incredible and like you, you see it in, in all different aspects of of sport when it comes to hockey or when it even comes to golf or anything like that like irish fans really really know how to get behind their their uh, representatives which is amazing because from the the olympics you guys then kind of went on to um uh, like you had a pretty decent run of it and like you got to 2018 into the world cup and like what from from there i suppose you had confidence from the olympics again okay listen we we got there right let's kind of push on now again so we know that we're, we're more we're capable of more so what was the kind of the mindset then after that because no doubt i would think that as a competitor it's like you get your first cap you want you want your 50th cap you get your 50th you want your 100th you know and you kind of want to keep pushing and pushing so after getting to the games, that was then coming home. Okay, now we need a roadmap to the next to Tokyo, right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But like the World Cup was next, so I presume that was kind of like right. Let's let's use that as our kind of like our focal point first. What was the game plan there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, obviously, like in hockey, we kind of tend to go on cycles. So obviously, the, the Olympic cycles in the most natural way. Yeah. But kind of, create that roadmap 2017 you know and and in many ways we were maybe anticipating a bit of a a bit of a lull or you know a bit of a a drop in standards or whatever but 2017 i think you know our our winning rate was very very high we won a number of invitational tournaments so we kind of went into the highs of you know the olympic games you know we were then ranked top 10 in the world which is our highest ranking and for an amateur team we're probably the only amateur team in that top 10 and the rest are all fully paid professionals, and in a you know, centralised program and whatnot. So, 2017 was a real kind of kick off for us, and that really, you know, obviously, you know, as any team goes through a bit of a transition of some guys retiring, some guys moving on, some guys taking out a sabbatical from the from the team or whatever. So, we had a you know, fresh blood come in, and I think that was that really kind of re-energised the group to kind of you know, you know what we're top ten in the world. Let's you know, let's kick on here. Let's you know, let's see what we can do here. Uh, and don't use the amateur thing as an excuse Yeah. Uh, 2017 was a year qualifying for the World Cup you know and then you know obviously we went through that transition then of obviously losing Craig Fulton Ned uh, as he's known as and uh, you know so he kind of came out in 2014 and it brought us up to you know obviously the the, the pinnacle of the, of the Rio Olympics then 2017 being a very successful year on the pitch and then obviously we lost him in the summer of 2018 only maybe you know, 10, 12 weeks before the World Cup, uh, so that kind of knocked us, knocked us off course a little bit. And obviously, our, our leader and our, our, um you know, our kind of the, 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 I suppose the, the arrow to our, to our kind of head was kind of gone. And, and we were kind of thinking, well, you know, we're we're, we're only ten weeks out. From, uh, another big tournament, which is obviously World Cup in hockey, is is is, is massive and is a uh, fiercely competitive tournaments. And we we're kind of thinking, well. You know who are we going to get in. You know, we're, you know this this timing wise, you know, is, is awful, and you know, um, so that kind of was a big challenge. And we kind of you know wait around for a coach to be appointed. Obviously, it takes a bit of time to mm-hmm. interview, interview the right people and make sure we get the right person. And we got a guy in at the time who was you know very successful on the club front in Holland, where hockey is is is, is Dude, massive. Yeah. Hub, hub hockey for uh, from an international and club point of view. And we got him in and, you know, in many ways, again, a fresh a fresh voice, some, you know, really interesting Dutch kind of styles of play. And ultimately, we, we went to the World Cup, um, you know, pretty motivated, of course, but also kind of, you know, expecting to, to do well. But in the back of our minds, that self-doubt was there because, you know, we did with a new, a new team, a new coach, a new leader. And, you know, ultimately, we, we failed in the World Cup. You know, mm. we didn't. We didn't kick on from the previous big tournament being the Olympics, and uh, and that was really disappointing, you know. And that I suppose, kind of looking back now retrospectively, kind of I suppose was a starting point of our of our downward spiral. And you know, disappointing because we're in India again in a hockey crazy nation, and uh, it was yeah, it was just really disappointing looking back not to be able to perform as well as we as well as we should have. And, and as well as we'd uh, as well as we'd hoped going
0: in Do you think um, like looking back at it now obviously hindsight 2020 and all that crack, right. but uh, looking back at it now do you think you prepared as best you could do you think you were in the did you think you let too many things that weren't in your control affect you like what would you do differently you know if, if, you, if you got to go go there again you know because obviously there's certain yeah. things that are out of your control absolutely you got like referees all that stuff completely out of your control but terms of your own your own preparation yeah
1: i i, I think with the name on the head i think we were we were a lot more focused on the things that were, were out of our control and not really looking internally to say well look lads we're we're nowhere near the level here we're going to the world cup in six weeks time right weeks' time and we're we're a million miles off you may as well just pull out now you know i think you know to be saying that out loud is, is something that as an international and as any sportsman is, is not something that you want to be saying too often and you know I just think if given the opportunity again yeah I think we should have been a bit more vocal as players especially the senior players of the team saying look this is not good enough let's you know bring it back But we're I think we're just trying to you know bring in too many new things in a short space of time I think that was the problem yeah. you know and then our senior players we've been around the block and we should have said something we should have been you know communicating in a very um, you know, elite, athletes, you know, very professional way. We didn't do that, you know, and we kinda of just put some excuses in, in the way and 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 ultimately we we, we we paid the price, you know, we we drew against a China team who were well prepared, who were very ambitious, you know, but we should have beaten them. And on paper we were a better team and um on the day we actually performed okay but the balls didn't go on the goal. But I just think from a preparation point of view, you know, for a tournament of that magnitude and we, we, we just weren't at the races and it was that simple and uh, yeah, you know, we weren't sharp enough, weren't fit enough potentially and we weren't united as a group and for an Irish team that's that's something that is always uh, in, in many ways a given or is certainly a core element um, and we didn't have that so that's what we definitely do differently is you know have a really, you know, tight internet group uh, going into a tournament of that size.
0: Really. And, you know it's it's good that you can acknowledge that as well cuz like listen you no doubt you'll stay involved in hockey for all your life you know but even passing on those kind of nuggets of info is is really important because having been through it and having lived it um like there will be moments again where you'll see things that are out of your control and to make sure that you can refocus the people that are around you to go right let's just focus on what we can control like i was speaking to uh, Damien Brown um in the recent recent episode and again his big mantra is like control your controllables you know there's certain things that are completely out of control but how can I focus on what's in my control and I can focus on how I prepare I can focus on my nutrition I can focus on 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 himself and and th- those type of things helped him get through a lot you know but uh like after the World Cup then um you were on a new uh kind of plan or it was a kind of reset to aim for Tokyo right and to aim for yeah. twenty twenty, and like talk to me about that because I remember watching um, the game against Canada and uh, heartbroken for you guys. Um, but talk talk to me about that because obviously there must have been learnings because you like you guys looked like you were in really really good space mentally you looked like you were in a good kind of uh, um, you were prepared well. Like you were going into the kind of the game, especially the final qualifying game, and in a really really good place, you know, having won the first uh, leg and stuff, and like yeah, just just bring bring me to that because I know there's been a lot said uh, about a lot of the things that were completely out of your control, right? Um, as a result of that, with the 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 late call by the the video ref and all that, but. Give me a kind of a bit of a sense there, because no doubt there's been a there was a lot of preparation and a lot of hope going into that, and a lot of kind of focal about right this is going to be a good games, and then to come so close, but then have it all taken away from you. Um, where are we at with that?
1: Yeah, and I can I, I, mean, I suppose you know, off the back of the World Cup, you know, I said that was the starting point of our, you know, our downwards spiral because. Before we got to the kind of the Olympic campaign of you know six to eight weeks out from the Canada Games, you know we obviously, uh, you know we did well in one tournament in the summer, got to the final, got into the next round of qualification for, for Tokyo, and then went to the Europeans, which was which was, I suppose at the time it was at kind of ten weeks out from the Olympic qualifiers which was to really kind of a bit of preparation, really get us into a very competitive you know campaign going into the Olympic qualifiers and some, you know, to put a long story short, you know, we got relegated into the B division from the Europeans and that was only 10 weeks out from the, 10, 11 weeks out from the, uh, from the qualifiers. And so we're, you know, I remember being at that point kind of saying, this is not the place you want to be 11 weeks out from a qualifiers, Um Knowing how hard it is to qualify anyway, you want to be in that right headspace. You want to be, you know, confident anymore you want to be kind of high in self-esteem and and be relegated uh, especially in Belgium where I spent so many years um, in such a really well well organised and well put together event that was tough so I think and then that kind of came to the end of that coach uh, who came on board for 12 months or whatever and then as you said our preparation literally turned 180 we got, an, we got a national coach in uh, Mark Tumulty who's still on board now and uh, and Jason Lee from the from the uh, from the GB men's and women's setup, and he came with an abundance of experience. But and the reason why I'm going to tell him this bit is because where we were off the back of, you know, we were at rock bottom, you know, being relegated from the A-Division Europeans, they turned it around, and the group really kind of came together, and it was a, a quiet conference, you know, and We kind of, and we made sure we kind of kept that under wraps. You know, we weren't getting ahead of ourselves. We'd obviously drawn Canada in the... Uh, in the uh, in the in the olympic drawer and and obviously we knew it was going to be two tough games but we knew it was two games we could win you know whether, whether if we draw on a gb or a spain or a, or gone the whole way to new zealand we knew that um yeah that, that was going to be a tough one you know that was going to be a real tough one but canada was a team that we beat many times before we kind of knew their style of play we knew their their setup their key players etc so, our preparation went really well. We won a number of practice games. We played against the, the World and European champions, being Belgium. And they gave us a bit of a spanking, which was, in a weird way, a great thing for us. But, um, so yeah, that kind of brings forward then to obviously being over in Vancouver. Great kind of running, great preparation. Um, first game, you know, we obviously win 5-3. We go in with a two-goal cushion. And then um, we then obviously win the first game. You know, we still remain you know, confidence with your mains, you know, feet on the ground. Um, you know, we took confidence from it, but, you know, we also were trying to control the things that are in our control. Obviously, for example, you know, our, our leader and our captain, Davy Hart, was was ruled out of the two games and in stepped in a more than adequate, more than suitable replacements, who'd been his number two for, going for, you know, on for God, for 10 years. So we have gone from focusing externally to focusing very much on us. Into the game two, we knew that Canada were going to come hell for leather and throw everything they had. It was their dream as well. And he was starting to slip away from them. You know, and we said, look, second game, we have two goal cushion. We have to throw the first punch. And we did. So we were going to say, okay, look, that's relaxed. We're now three goals ahead. You know, then Canada came at us hard. Maybe we didn't handle the pressure well. Didn't maybe stick to the game plan as much as we should have. You know, but we stayed in the contest. And it was, you know... It was a bit of a volatile crowd there from their end. Some ice hockey guys hurling abuse, and uh, yeah, and then obviously kind of what happened in the in the dying moments. You know, having the ball in our possession with I think less than fourteen seconds ago in the game, we're going to Tokyo. We're there. We turn the ball over in their corner of the pitch. They come up the other end of the pitch, and and we're given yeah, what was in you know obviously from 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 our. Point of view, something that was a bit controversial, but it it, just—it was a blur. And even now talking about it, it's only funny now that you start to kind of piece what happens uh, and where we were with 14 seconds ago to where we ended up being, which was a shootout. And
0: could you could you explain? Could you just explain to people who may not have seen it? I know it's been well documented, but just just kind of explain what was happening. So you were it was you went one one nil up, then it was one all at half time, wasn't that correct? All half time, and then it went to
1: uh, in the game itself, finished up uh, 3 1 to Canada. I think obviously, they scored the uh, the controversial penalty stroke that was given on the on the very like the, the game was over, and like the video clips on YouTube and whatever of, of me embracing one of my teammates, you know, because both umpires in that moment signaled a. Signaled a wide ball, the game was over, we're going to Tokyo, you know, we're going to get the hit out and take eight seconds, or take, sorry, the game was over, it was 0.1 of a second left on the clock, um, and so the game was over, I'm embracing a couple of guys, hugging each other, we've made it, we're there, maybe a, a bit of relief, you know, but also, you know, an acknowledgement of, lads, we're going to our second Olympic Games, that's it, we've done it, we've we, we qualified and then, okay, we found they were throwing a Hail Mary, going up to the video tower. We're going, okay, whatever, there's nothing there. And we'd seen the whole thing in real time. Nothing was there. And obviously in hockey, you have a penalty corner, which is the equivalent of a free kick in football. Um, and he gave a penalty stroke, which is a penalty in, in, in the equivalent of, of, of a penalty in football. And we were kind of just flabbergasted. We were speechless. We didn't know what to say. And... Anyway, scores it that gives him the three-one win of the second game, which then brings it back to all levels. So we go into a penalty shootout, um, and yeah, and and you know, again we were kind of up in that. You know, I ended up missing the, the crucial one that could have given us the win, and and they went on a sudden death, one or two goals. I can't remember. yet, two goals, and uh, and then they ended up, you know, clinching the the qualification spot for Tokyo. So it was, yeah, it was. It was a really difficult one, and again, you were. Almost, it, was a, it was a real kind of out of, out of mind out a body experience, and uh, you just didn't know how to react or what to say apart from, apart from you know cry and and say can't believe that was you know that was snatched away from us in, the, in that fashion. If you weren't good enough as a lead athlete, and people can relate to this, you know, if you're not good enough. You're not good enough if you're being fair and square or whatever. Then so be it, but you know, in, in the way it happened,
0: in the manner in which it happened. Uh, yeah, it was difficult and still difficult to kind of digest it and comprehend the whole thing. Yeah, because like it seems to, when it comes to kind of elite events uh, with Ireland, there seems to be a lot of controversy, you know, like you saw that with Thierry Henry and France with the hand of God type of thing, they had to get yeah. to knock Ireland out. And now then this, this call that um I believe number of officials have looked at it uh professional officials looked at it and, and are flabbergasted how the call is made and how it was given and but how do you so here's the thing all right so it's done it, it's it's a reality um how do you pick yourself up how do you how did you kind of figure out a way to because like even listening to you it's still so raw and you can you can nearly feel how disappointed you are um but how how, how have you guys kind of picked yourselves up or rallied together or what What have you done since then to kind of not obviously it, the hurt is never going to go away but it's to try and move forward you know
1: yeah and, and obviously you know when we consider the, the current circumstances um, you know that that kind of put a halt to us being able to you know start a new chapter and to really kind of you know reflect do a review process of, of the Tokyo cycle and say well look you know h- how can we take some some learnings from this because that's that's the biggest thing i've come across and especially how i bring it into my business is there's always learnings there especially in tough times and they're probably the most valuable ones Uh, and and, you know and unfortunately qualifier has been in early november you know we all kind of went back to our clubs you know and and kind of dealt with it on a very individual which is unusual in a very in in a in a team sport when we spend so much time together and we we go through the good good times and the bad times and, and the aftermaths together. But a lot of us who were obviously based uh, overseas in Holland, in Spain, and in, in Germany and in Belgium, of course, you know we went right back into playing hockey, which is probably the last thing you wanted to do. And uh, so I think in the immediate aftermath, how uh, we dealt with it was, you know, I suppose kind of getting back onto a pitch, maybe amongst a you know a different group, a different team. But I think what was looking back now that really helped us through that kind of November, December block. Was was staying together off the pitch, you know, whether it be going for a couple of pints, going yeah. for a coffee, and uh, you know, and in many ways, you know, especially obviously I was based over in Belgium, so you had you had you know people over in the club there, you know, bringing it back up, saying i are so sorry, he was an absolute disgrace, this that, and the other, and then when you come home, you, people you haven't seen want to express their, you know, their 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 you know their their deepest sympathy for you, and what we're thinking of you, and it was a you know, so you kind of went through almost two cycles of the exact same thing. So you never, there was always something reminding you or somebody reminding you uh, of what happened and you're trying to move on and stay busy and stay positive in terms of a mindset on, you know, in, on the future and not trying to dwell too much what happened. Uh, but being there for each other and, and, you know, chatting, chatting to guys who, who lived the experience and who were also hurting in many ways for me anyway, it was quite a lifting and, and really, kind of helped me through it was a very dark time kind of November December and uh, you know as I said obviously I was based over in Belgium and I had a job to do there I a contract and I'll be honest I just struggled you know I just struggled for those week, those last kind of four or five games before the winter break commenced and uh, you know I was lucky enough to have great support over there obviously my family and my girlfriend my clubs here you know people in the community um, but it was tough nonetheless and you know looking at where we're at now we haven't really been able to close that book and close that chapter and move forward because of the coronavirus and not being able to train together. And, and, you know, it's obviously very difficult for all, you know, especially when I think about the women's team who were, you know, in full preparation for Tokyo this summer, they have to wait another year, but not to sound selfish, but we also have to go through another year of, you know, um, other athletes, you know, going through the excitement and the preparation, the journey, you know, and we're going to go through another year of, well, All those teams are, they have a target in size and that's something as an athlete, you know, you always want to have as an end goal and that's what's getting people down during this time is having no end goal inside, no return to normality and that's for us on another level in terms of not being able to kind of put it to bed, take the learnings from it and try and implement them and move them forward and that's only really able to be done by actually training together and, and being in a,
0: on the pitch in that kind of camp environment and you're touching it there like it's tricky not being able to move forward and especially with the current climate and everybody kind of went under restrictions and lockdown i suppose the 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 good thing to take from it is that you're you've experienced i suppose even though you're on the fringes of the 2012 olympic uh, uh preparation not getting through um, there was a group of people who were very disappointed and obviously that's there's a little bit of a difference but it, the, re, the resolve or I think the good thing to come away from that is that that brought you all guys all you guys closer together to push on for, 20, for 2016 which was an incredible experience you kind of look to hope that by this loss that those guys who are on the fringes and those guys who have that um, a goal for the next Olympics for 2024 is it correct in saying that? that yeah. they have... That, that this kind of experience brings them all together. But for you, as like you're you're one of the senior guys now. You know you're one of the guys who's you've played as you say since two thousand and ten was when you made your debut for the men's team or two thousand eleven. So you're, like, you like you've a decade under the on your legs. You know what's what's next for you in terms of your kind of hockey. Um, be it you're in Belgium at the moment and you've played like with such a great team over there. Now what, what happens now for you in terms of your hockey life?
1: Yeah, so obviously things are kind of up in the air at the moment, you know, and obviously uh decide between going back to to, to a, do a fifth season in Belgium and, 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 and play with that fantastic club again or or do I come home and and I suppose, you know, obviously from my hockey point of view, do I you know, I I see myself as being the that senior player, you know, that that obviously I looked up to you know many other guys many years ago so i'm going to taking i'm going to taking that leader role on you know whether it's it's given to me or not it's it's something that i really feel as part of me and it's something that i really see as an honor and a pleasure to do and you know that's where i want to go and as you said i bring the group as close as possible together to have us really close really united to be able to kind of push on and to you know because I, I firmly believe 12 the highs of 2016 and now the the agonizing failure of of, uh, of Tokyo to be able to bring that forward and say well look let's optimize the talent let's really bring in you know some needed elements that we need or needed ingredients that we have to do to to really match the talent and make sure we achieve what we should be achieving and that's that's where I see my kind of role evolving over the next while and uh, and yeah just try, trying to be an inspiration to the younger kids who you know especially on the men's side on the boys side who say look you really want this well look let's let's try and fast track your progress so i'm doing a good bit of work with um with obviously the underage uh boys under 16 and under 18s on the in the in in, in hockey Ireland' I'm trying to just give them small I say kind of small bits of you know ingredients small bits of kind of things that they can kind of take away themselves and personalize it and say well look Now I know what kind of a lifestyle is needed, you know. So that's I'm on a bit of a crossroad whether to stay in Belgium or come home. But also, no doubt in my mind, I'm going to go on to Paris and I'm going to push for as long as I can. After that as well, so. Brilliant. um,
0: I think. I think think that's brilliant to hear because, like, you're you're a great ambassador for not only hockey but for Ireland as well. And I think what you've done has been brilliant, and you've always represented the country brilliantly. And like what I what I love now is you you've you've your your focus and your positive mindset and you're kind of the, the taking on the learnings and giving the kids and the younger younger crew that kind of uh, as you say the ingredients to to form their own path, you've now transitioned that into into business as well, isn't that correct? So could you talk to talk to me a little bit about uh, uh mentally fit and what that is and how you've brought that to Ireland because I think it's a really, really brilliant blueprint for people and for business and for those who are trying to get the best out of themselves to try and, uh, and to use this, this as a tool. Could you give us a little bit of background on how you got into it and what the, what the overall game plan is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so obviously, you know, one of, the, one of the upsides of obviously playing professional hockey is, you know, you're going into a club that, uh, or into an environment where there's so many, you know, high level people, you know, from, you know, real wide uh, and extensive uh, business network. So I came in touch, meant to be fit, kind of summer of 2018. Uh, I've obviously been in Ireland since after Rio for kind of uh, for two years. And that was the, that was the reason I went back over to Belgium was to kind of experience it, you know, kind of see, see what it was about, see what kind of executive coaching, business coaching was all about. And so I went over the, the internship from kind of August 2018 um, to, to obviously now evolving my role to being obviously, you know the uh the soon to be franchise owner of uh of uh mentally fit here in Ireland. So, you know, I was yeah. The, the mentally fit is obviously a a, a global for- performance coaching uh both in the business and sports sides. They've been around for 40 odd years. Headquartered in Brussels in in Belgium. That obviously I made the connection and. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed a kind of an internship journey of you know we've obviously 70, 80 coaches so I was able to follow a number of different coaches at different kind of uh, senior levels and seeing how they coach you know they kind of worked in a very, in a very different environment than what I'm used to obviously the sport environment but now into the business environment seeing how they operated seeing how they coach people to really optimise talent to really energise people and uh, I loved it I, I just absolutely loved it and it was, as I looked from day one, when I walked in the door, it meant me be in Belgium. I was like, look, I want to bring this to Ireland. I think this is very unique. There's a real strong USP to it. And uh, that kind of brings to where I am now. You know, obviously 2020 is the year that we were meant to launch it. So obviously with the coronavirus, it's kind of put things on the back burner a little bit, but we're still very active. We're still working with some companies here in Dublin, um, you know, through our own personal network. And obviously it being a global organization we have coaches all over the world and we have global accounts that i've been part of from an assistant point of view and now looking to take it on in the region of dublin and in ireland obviously as a whole so really exciting and it's as you said it's very much aligned with you know we uh our mantra kind of is you know mentally fit is inspired by sports it's validated by science but it's applicable to to all businesses you know that really stuck with me when i came in and i basically you know, I've, I've done my qualification I've done all my coaching my coaching uh, uh, criteria and meeting those requirements but it's really the fact that it's we use a lot of sports analogies and metaphors I just really use my personal experiences and my personal journey and story and use those stories with the tools that we have and that's how I that's pretty much how I coach and it's really interesting it's really flexible and it's something that you real, Kind of autonomy over and as i said you know there's so many so many things you can compare and so many similarities from the, from the sports arena to the business arena
0: so yeah that sounds great that sounds amazing like ireland are going to have their own mentally fit um franchise setting up here now in the in the, in the near future
1: yeah absolutely as i said obviously you know with the current circumstances you know we were kind of hidden at home but to be honest we've we just been so busy, we've moved all of our all of our coaching online. Uh, um you know, we're kinda of work you know, we're obviously using the you know, the amazing platforms like Zoom and you know, albeit it doesn't have the same impacts, of course of, of being there in person and being able to, you know, have that social connection with people, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's uh yeah, we've been very, very busy, you know, we've been just rolling out kind of a lockdown programme per se of four to six workshops and uh just making it really applicable to now and, and the challenges and the course the the ultimate resilience test and, and how how leaders how managers how ceos can can manage their teams remotely how can they lead them how can they coach them how can they kind of bring them through this very turbulent time and that's really what we've been doing and we're constantly you know and the great thing about mentally fit is very you know very flexible very adaptable you know trial and, and test things out and experiment things that from a sporting point of view might work some do some don't and, and that's the beauty of it is that you're going to learn what works, what doesn't work and, and what kind of really, you know, really makes a team work, you know, and, and funny enough, what, you know, excuse the pun, but what makes a team tick, you know, and that's really what it's all about is being able to bring all those values, bring all those unique strengths that people have and optimise the talent and unlock the potential and that's, when you see that happen and we see the, the seed been planted, it's a really rewarding feeling and that for me is is, is, the, is the holy all motivation of
0: it. Genuinely wish you the best and what I've got to do is the, uh... I'll put all your uh, kind of contact details of mentally fit and and those and your various social handles into the into the show notes but before I get onto that or any any of that stuff I've one or two things I want to ask you all right so yeah uh, but what I've basically asked everybody is if you had if you had an opportunity to give somebody a gift and I've I've robbed it off um, oh what's his name uh, I can't even think of it now, but I robbed it off a fellow anyway. But if if you if you had the opportunity to give somebody a gift, what would that be? And that gift could be anything from a book to a bit of advice, anything at all. Um, what is the thing that you would give somebody, and why?
1: Yeah, I I, I definitely think you know from the recent experience of not a uh, you know not not reaching my dream of qualifying for a second Olympic Games. You know, I think you know giving a real raw you know insight and an account of. Of what you go through, you know. So that bit of, as I suppose, mentoring or advice, if you want to, if you want to label as that, I think that will be something I give to people. Has been able to say, look, everybody has setbacks, everybody has, you know, a bit of adversity in their life. Some more severe than others, you know. And it's been able to, if you make a one percent difference in that person's mood or you lift their spirits, you know, for me, giving that bit of uh, personal experience for them to be able to relate to it is is a, is a really, you know, probably not the most tangible, but in terms of the impact it can make uh, i've seen
0: firsthand it's it's something else Amazing, yeah and i, I think that's that's kind of one of the things that um, for me was kind of the spark to create this podcast series was to if this if this episode helps one person then it's it's brilliant it's done it's it's done its job for me it's it's helped me to a point but i suppose i'm biased because i'll always find that little bit of info out of these conversations but definitely for one person who's listening be it an aspiring hockey player or be it somebody who's looking to follow their goals when it comes to their, their dreams and it comes to business whatever it is um hopefully it'll help um so listen chano if if people wanted to get in touch with you how would they do it where would they where would be best to to reach out to you
1: actually recently launched a business called train the brain as well so it's uh it's more on the sports psychology side of things and that's really a hobby that's something that i've kind of um I suppose involved in Belgium, you know, running various programs with the youth there and here. So I got to have that on the side as well. So that's very much for you know sports performers, musicians, artists, you know. But in terms of mentally fit, uh, our global page is there, mentally fit. Um, there you can see exactly what we do, where we've been, who we've worked with, and uh, the journey we've been on, as well as all of our all of our uh, our squad members, all seventy plus of us. Of course, my own LinkedIn profile, I would post a little bit about of uh, various energy tapes that we have online, various um, webinars that we're doing and and really all activity that we do is on LinkedIn or on our website. So Mentifit.global or the Mentalyfit LinkedIn page will be the the two main uh, traffic points. So I'm on Instagram, yeah, I have Shane. Uh, well, a Shane. .od is my Instagram handle. Uh, so I, I do a little bit there, especially on the mental awareness piece obviously i'm associated with noggin sport um so not doing as much publicity through the mentally fit stuff but definitely to train the brain and um another mental uh, health awareness and uh that kind of stuff will be on my instagram stuff of course um
0: well i'll make sure i'll make sure to to tag you on all the bits and pieces that i post thank you very very much for for uh jumping on the call and to share your your story but also just to share the learnings that you had from all the different experiences and uh yeah really really appreciate it pal
1: yeah me too and this is Stephen. thank you very much buddy really uh have actually come away feeling feeling quite good you know and it's a uh, look it's great to talk to like-minded people and i have to say hats off to you for doing this uh it's really interesting
0: and uh, look to see you again albeit over a phone Yeah, big but, time. Uh, no, no, I look forward to hearing, hearing the, uh, the playback of this and uh, look buddy it's been great to see you again and thanks very much for having me on thanks Shane appreciate it pal alright mind yourself alright you too look after yourself buddy if you're lucky enough to represent Ireland at whatever sport then take example of Shane and how to represent Ireland with pride he is one of those characters that epitomizes what it's like to be a pro both on the pitch and off the pitch he's an absolute gentleman and as i said at the start epitomizes the type of character that you should have in your life shane thank you very much for sharing all those stories and opening up the different emotions again and the heartache of of tokyo the great thing is is that you're looking forward to paris and you're here to continue the journey for Irish men's hockey and lead the way and become a mentor for not only people in sport but also people in business. Hats off to you Shane and I've no doubt that everybody will wish you luck in the future. I'll leave all of Shane's contact details in the show notes, his Instagram and the links to his Mentally Fit and Train Your Brain so if you feel like getting in touch you can do. So if this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the What Makes You Tick podcast and leave us a review and let us know what you thought of this specific episode. Tag and share us on Instagram as well. All you need to do is visit whatmakesyoutick.net where you can leave a comment, you can send me an email, or you can visit me on Instagram at whatmakesyoutickpod or again at Twitter at Stevie Brad's.